Absolutely, let's do it. And I know you have had a tremendously busy schedule. And of course, you know, we are able to actually have these conversations and share with Bass Edge Nation because of all of our fantastic sponsors, partners, and uh, MegaWare KeelGuard. Be sure to visit them at KeelGuard.com to check out all of the latest products. Uh, Kurt, Kids Camp has to be very rewarding, but I'm sure it's also mentally, physically, and emotionally draining. It is. <laughs> <laughs> It is. We had, we had a great couple sessions here at Lake Amistad. We had 26 camper session, one full wow. housing totally booked, 34 campers session, two full housing totally booked. Great time. Fishing was not awesome here at Lake Amistad, but it was decent. You know, the great thing about Lake Amistad is, is the youth can get a lot of bites. So they learn different techniques. And that's the great thing about fishing with youth anglers getting bites, getting them to learn new techniques. I would just say just overall another good experience for youth that came here, Aaron, from all over the country once again. And I'm so glad I started this so many years ago. It's It's been great. I got one more to do that will happen in New York. And at present, we are full of campers. But uh, if you're interested to you know get on a wait list or uh, have some information for our 2022 camps, which those dates will be uh, aired out in fall sometime once the tournament schedules and things come out, then uh, just let me know. You can shoot us an email, info at probasscamp.com. That's info at probasscamp.com. But yes, Aaron, it's rewarding work and yep. fun all at the same time, right? I mean, it's it's cool. Well, and, you know, starting it many years ago, like you said, and what it's morphed into and evolved into and changing generations to come. And, you know, Kurt, you got to quit doing so many of these because they're all beating us <laughs> when it comes to the tournament. So, Dude, I'm know. telling you, these young anglers are good. Bro. I, I mean, know, like, I know. I feel like I'm donating so, my money anymore anytime I enter a tournament. They are. So, uh, so anyway, hey, quickly, I, I do want to cover your um, kind of reapproaching your your old stomping grounds, returning back to uh, to your roots, if you will. Man, we are headed to the Potomac River. Super excited. I have not fished there in several years. I had a FLW tour event there a few years ago. Had a great first day. Was in the top five. Ended up getting a solid finish. Who knows what's going to happen this time around. But when you go back to where you grew up fishing, the memories never stop. You know, they just develop in your brain. You're like, oh my gosh, I remember that. And I just remember it was like euphoria last time I was there. Just remembering all of these experiences I had in my in my youth and, and when I started bass fishing and, and really started tournament fishing because that's yeah. where I that was the Potomac River, and uh, man, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, well, we can knock one out of the park. It's it's going to be that time. I mentioned last episode, I've been uh, riding a struggle bus 
heavier and more profound than ever in my career. So I'm yeah, but let, let me give shine. you let me give you one right. tip that that one of our I forget okay. who it is, but uh, I'll never forget this because it stood right. out to me. And he said, you know, we were it was one of those deals where we were talking about the home lake curse, right? And and yeah. and that you, we all of us have this tendency to go fish for where we caught them and all that kind of stuff. And you've got to detach from that. But one thing that this individual said was the familiarity, right, of your home waters does put you in a situation to where when it, things get tough, you can still go back. You have an advantage that others don't have. So perhaps, hopefully things aren't tough for you, but if they are, you know what? At least you have the confidence of knowing, hey, I can do this. I've got this. I've done it before. And I would rather be no other place than where I am right now. So yeah. um, anyway. Something to lean on. No, lean no on. doubt. I'll have some things to lean on. So looking forward to it. And we're going to look forward to getting into another great episode. We've got a Another special guest coming up in the next segment, so y'all stay tuned for that. It's going to be a fun little chat, but for right now, we've got another awesome tackle tip brought to us by ProtectTheHarvest.com. Stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio continues. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com tackle tip with MLF BBT angler, Brett Height. Well, today the tackle tip for me is, you know, it's that time of year, get your topwater plugs out or lures out. And for me, uh, what's always tied on my rod this time of year is the Evergreen SB 125. A lot of people know it as the shower blows. For me, I really like a bone style color bait pretty much all the time. It has a lot of drawing power. I'm gonna be casting that around uh, maybe some late shad spawn or, you know, over brush piles and get those fish to come out of that brush pile early in the morning. And I like throwing it with a 30 pound Sunline braid to, you know, like a uh, 15 or a 16 pound Supernatural leader. And then, uh, you know, when they kind of get off that or, you know, I see a lot of fish that just come up, you know, and are missing the bait or they just stop biting top water. I really like that time of year switching it up and going to a Nico rig. Um, it's a finesse style wacky rig. Um, I like a arc 332nd ounce weight with anywhere from a, a number four to uh, a number two style straight shanks hook. And you know, I'm throwing that on a spinning rod with uh, either a more finesse, I'm gonna use a five inch Cinco. And then if we go to a place where, you know, like uh, Chickamauga or you know, a ledge place where there's some big fish. I really like throwing that 7X Yamamoto Cuttail Worm. Um, it has a little bit more action. It's just, you know, as the, the year progresses or the summer progresses, they really like to get on that big worm. So casting that around brush piles, obviously shell beds, things like that uh, where, you, where you find those fish schooled up. Uh, hope this tackle tip helps you guys catch more fish and good luck on the water. That's an awesome tip, Brett. Brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. 
Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Live Well, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. It's going to be some great stuff, oh, man. It's awesome to have another special guest. We've got one here on this episode. We have John Davis from Megaware out in Ogden, Utah, Bass Edge's source for boating accessories. Man, John, thanks for taking time to be on the show with us. Hey, I appreciate it, guys. I'm excited to talk to you about some fun products. Yeah, normally, John, I would say we would be talking about our fun group text, but uh, since this is a PG-rated show and, you know, Kurt, uh, Kurt's an easy target, we got to keep this above board. But, you know, as as you know, John, Megaware has been a um, just a staple of Bass Edge since its inception. We open up every episode with that, but rarely do we spend, you know, much time kind of diving off into s- some of the more uh, specifics or their advantages. And, you know, Kurt picked out kind of two today that – uh, he's very keen on, and certainly I am as well, and that is the skeg guard and the bow guard. And, I, you know, I'd just kind of like to get your thoughts on what is the most common to see on the water between these products. Yeah, good question. So I'll talk about the skeg guard first. Um, awesome product. So it is a protective guard that can either fit up over an existing skeg and kind of act as a preventative measure and it can actually also replace a broken skeg entirely if needed you know so it's a marine grade 316 stainless steel protector and it's there to protect the bottom of the skeg in the lower unit you know when you're running shallow and coming up against some rocks abrasive sand even concrete ramps you know when it comes to common things that i've seen on the water as mentioned a lot of us bass anglers you know we're fishing really shallow and a lot of these bodies of water they're chuck full of rocks especially if you're fishing for smallmouth so you can be confident knowing that your lower unit is protected because you have that protective guard up underneath the bottom you know and another thing that i've seen <laughs> we all forget to trim up our motor at times when we're pulling up from a long day in the water oh, yeah. pulling up on that. the ramp oh <laughs> out man. of my driveway <laughs> yeah Hey, you know, one of my buddies did it one time, you know, we were tired, we were ready to go home and we were all buckled up, got the trailer ready to go. And he left that motor trimmed down and a little bit of scraping. And I just told him, I said, dude, you need to get a skeg guard, man. You would have saved that skeg there, (laughs) you know, on the bow guard, the other product. It's, I mean, it's a great, visible, attractive addition to a boat's bow. And what it is, it's a protective guard that conforms to the front of the hull and really does a great job protecting against marring, scrapes, scuffs from the trailer roller. You know, and some common things that I've seen out on the water, especially in windy conditions, rough water when you're pulling up to the trailer. I mean, I've seen guys that are just banging that boat up against that trailer roller and really causing damage to the front of the boat. And that scuff buster bow guard does a great job protecting the gel coat and the finish from that trailer roller. You know, another thing that's that's really cool with the bow guard 
if you have some existing damage, and when I say damage, I mean some existing scrapes or scuffs, it actually does a really good job covering up some of that damage. So really cool there. Yeah, John, I, I love the bow guard as far as, man, I just think it adds a, an aspect, a nice bling with the protection. You know, who doesn't like to chrome out their stuff a little bit, right? And, and it's got that nice reflective chrome look to it. And, and same with the skeg guard. So I really love the bow guard. I, I think, too, for folks that have their boat wrapped it helps protect that wrap because just like you're talking about, you know, when you're beating that roller up and it's and it's riding the fiberglass before it gets to the bow eye, you know, it can create some damage there. So it's nice to have that bow guard up there, man. It looks good. Aaron, I got a quick oh, yeah, question definitely. for you. Skeg guard, you know, you let, you're on those rock holes up there in Missouri. How many skegs have you seen, like, you know, dinged, ripped off or or just almost obliterated by, you know, running over some shallow water or even just dragging your skeg in the shallows while you're fishing. Yeah, countless. As you know, like you mentioned, the rocks, Kurt. And then you ever try and repair or take it to a repair shop and have the welding and that done? That is a, a just a crazy process, expensive process. It, I haven't seen one that actually gets fixed back. So in my opinion, that's why you use something that's going to protect it, right? It's preventative. John, assume the user maybe didn't protect their skeg guard out of the gate. If they damage their skeg, how much left has to be there for that installation process to where you could be missing what portion of your skeg and still purchase a skeg guard to now have a new skeg without having to go through everything that Aaron just talked about? Yeah, great question. So, you know, with skeg damage and definitely the broken skegs to answer your question, there needs to be at least two inches remaining on a broken skeg in order to install a skeg guard and have it replace the skeg entirely. Gotcha. So really, uh, you could break off quite a bit of, of the thing and, and then still not have to go through that process to to uh, welding and all that kind of thing. And you can just, you know, get you a skeg guard. Um, install it. I, I know my installation, I install mine on my boat every year when I get it new, and it doesn't take me more than about 15 minutes. And tools are super simple. A drill, I think it's a quarter, I forget what the size of the drill is, but you know, you just drill, hammer it on with a rubber mallet, drill it in through the top, and uh, you're good to go. So whether you do that with a new skeg or you're trying to fix or repair a broken skeg, man, skeg are just just a great product all the way around. And and the cost effectiveness is unbelievable. Definitely. Well, John, obviously, as always, great detail about both of those products. You know, I, I just want to reemphasize so many times we say it, but I cannot stress it enough. There are differences in products. Obviously, uh, the name Megaware has to be stamped on the products that you're buying for your personal watercraft, your boats, so on and so forth, like we've said, because they represent a standard and a quality that is unmatched. And uh, certainly we appreciate, John, your support and that of uh, Bass Edge for so many years. But more importantly, we appreciate the just constant problem solving that you guys do with regards to your products. So can you direct us? Obviously, you know, everybody knows that they can be purchased on BassEdge.com, but for additional information and where to uh, purchase MegaWare products at. Yeah. So you can go to keelguard.com, and that's just K-E-E-L-G-U-A-R-D.com to purchase the products and for additional information, tips and tricks. We have a great blog there. And, you know, I just want to finish up and say, hey, guys, we, we really appreciate the Bass Edge fans and uh, keep up the good work, guys. You know, we appreciate you supporting the brand. Awesome stuff, John. 
Guys, it's been a great little highlight of a couple of MegaWare products, but we have on the line our next guest, and that is the featured angler for our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Bass Edge Nation, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this message. This is MLF Pro Circuit Angler, Kyle Gillis. I'm Pro Angler Bill McDonald. This is MLF BPT Pro, Jacob Wheeler. This is MLF Pro Circuit Angler, Kyle Cordiano. I am Pro Angler Cole Floyd. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard Keel Protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Aaron, here we go with another young stud on today's show that fishes the BASS Elite Series. Man, he was Rookie of the Year in 2018, a college national champion in 2014, has qualified for the Classic all three seasons he's fished the Elite Series. Welcome to the show, Jake Whitaker. Thanks for being with us today, Jake. Hey, guys. It's truly an honor for you guys to invite me on and, and talk a little bass fishing today. Just like you said, I've had three great seasons on the uh, on the Elite Series. Having a little tough year this year, but we've kind of got ourselves in a little bit of a roll here lately, but I'm sure we'll talk about it. But uh, yeah, man, I, I'm blessed. So thanks again for having me on. Absolutely, Jake. And and again, just want to echo what Kurt said. I appreciate you being on the show. And we are for sure going to dive off into both of those topics that you just mentioned. But before we do that, I want to kind of set the stage here. I see you're from Fairview, North Carolina. Wondering if that is where you grew up. And then also, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but lots of mountains there. And, and maybe not the first place that you think of for a pro angler to be from. Perhaps tell us, you know, some of your background. And it's, it's always been interesting to hear where folks come from in the professional bass fishing realm. Yeah, for sure. So, yes, you are correct. I was raised in Fairview, North Carolina, which is just outside of Asheville. They're on the western side of North Carolina. They're in the mountains, just like you mentioned. And, gosh, you're exactly right. Whenever you think of, you know, professional anglers and where most of them come from, you obviously think of Alabama and Texas. Texas and places like that, but North Carolina really has a lot of professional anglers and the reason I think that is, is because we have so many diverse fisheries within, you know, a short driving distance. But with that being said, where I live in Fairview, I don't actually have what you would call a local lake. I don't have a lake that I can be to in 30 minutes or anything like that. So growing up, whenever we would go fishing, it was an hour and a half, two hours to any lake that I really wanted to go to, whether that be the Savannah River chain there in South Carolina, which is actually probably the closest 
set of lake that I have there on uh, Lake Hartwell, Lake Kiwi, places like that. But I also grew up fishing your Lake Normans, your Lake Wileys, a few of the lakes there in East Tennessee, and then like Lake Murray in South Carolina. So again, where I grew up, it is not, I would say, not the best place, you know, to grow up to be a bass fisherman. But then again, I have so many great options within two, two and a half hours of my house. And again, I think that's one of the reasons we, you know, as anglers in in North and South Carolina tend to show up on the professional stage a lot. So those fisheries there in North Carolina and South Carolina are so diverse. There's clean water, there's dirty water in the springtime, and uh, you've got boat docks, you've got deep water, you've got just a wide array of ways to catch bass. And, you know, you can kind of dabble in all of those, you know, and do well. So I've learned a lot of techniques fishing around home, but, uh, you know, the Carolinas are a great place to fish for sure. Jake, I would say for sure, and I want to quantify this for Aaron a little bit for all the Carolina anglers out there. Like you just said, Jake, there's a ton of awesome anglers from yeah. Carolina, yeah. especially in that, you know, kind of Norman, Charlotte, High yeah. Rock. Uh, you know, yeah. that kind of middle southern area of the country. I mean, that's a wild amount of pro anglers. But when you get west, get out there toward Asheville, you're on your own little <laughs> island out there, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, there are a few uh, little local mountain lakes that I also frequent a lot when I'm not right. tournament fishing. And there are some giant, giant bass that live in these lakes. And, and like I mentioned before, it's mostly clear water. We've got the big bait stuff going on, but we've also got the finesse stuff that you have to, you know, to be, you know, have to be comfortable with that stuff as well to, to do well. So, uh, like I said, the Carolinas are a fantastic place to fish, but there are a few hidden gems here in the mountains of Western North Carolina that have some pretty special fish in them. Well, I got to mention that always doing a bunch of research before we jump on Bass Edge Radio, because we want to bring stuff to the listeners that many other folks don't know yet, or, or just, you know, enhance the... Sure you know, known aspect of Jake Whitaker in this, in this circumstance. And I actually read an article that was in a newspaper about your national championship win there in college. And you mentioned your sister and that she played basketball at Brevard college. And yep. my eyes popped out of my head cause I went to Brevard college for a year and a half. Really? That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. So my, my sister, she, uh, you know, obviously me and my sister, my family, we, we grew up in sports. We've always been just just competitive people. And like I say, she played basketball throughout her high school career, went to Brevard College, played basketball there at Brevard College. And, and now she's actually the local high school's varsity girls basketball coach. So we are just competitive people. And uh, Western North Carolina has been just a special place to grow up. And uh, Brevard College is a cool little place for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, now we're connected even more. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> you've had some great finishes, Jake, out there on the Elite Series, mostly when you're on TV. I've been seeing you fish shallow is that your yeah. strength and how do you play to your strength as we get in here to mid-june and summer progresses yeah for sure shallow water is is definitely my strength it's where i'm comfortable when i'm fishing it's basically how i grew up fishing again it's not that i don't like deep fishing or it's not that i'm not good at it it's just i am more comfortable when i'm up shallow and i think that's what you know a lot of guys that are new or, or getting started in the fishing world you know the young guys that, that come up and ask me how you know how do i do this how do i i always tell people is to find your comfort zone Figure out what you like to do. Figure out a few baits that you are the most comfortable with 
and have the most confidence in and fish it. You know, a lot of times it may not be the winning pattern or the or the best way to catch the fish, but nine times out of 10, you're going to be able to catch fish doing something that you're comfortable with. So for sure, shallow water is my comfort zone. I'd say that I'm a power fisherman. I'm a chunk and winder type of guy. But, you know, the season we're in now, we're summertime, everything's starting to heat up. You know, our water temperatures are in the 80s. And a lot of the times, yes, the shallow water is probably not the most conducive for catching fish this time of year. But with that being said, there is always a population of bass that live shallow. Whether it's 20 degrees in the wintertime or 90 degrees in the summertime, there's always a population of, of bass that live shallow. And you have to just exploit those areas that give you the ample amount of opportunity to get a bite, whether that may be looking for places that have more available cover in the water, whether it's blowdowns, boat docks, even rocks. They'll still hang out on rocks in the summertime. So I I just try this time of year to start looking for those areas that give me the most available cover in the water because nine times out of ten, those fish are going to be set up on some kind of cover and, uh, you know, another thing that I look for this time of year is shade lines. Those fish that are up shallow, nine times out of ten, are feeding on either brim or uh, or some crawfish or something of that matter. So I'm looking for those shade lines on those uh, either undercut banks or whether it's a tree hanging over the water. That's going to give that fish a place to live. And I also think this time of year, the fish that are shallow are mostly resident fish. Sometimes, you know, on a full moon in the summertime, you may have a brim bed, a brim spawning situation where you're going to have a group of fish maybe move up. But then again, at the same time, I think a lot of these fish that live shallow in the summertime are resident fish. So you're going to have to cover a lot of water. Again, just looking for those areas where whether it's a creek channel that runs all the way to the back of a pocket or something that, you know, maybe you've got some fresh influx of water coming in, whether it's a creek, river, or or whatever it may be. I'm looking for those areas that are going to hold those fish in the summertime. So it may not be the most conducive for catching numbers, but I also think that you can catch some of the biggest fish shallow this time of year. So let's run with that a little bit, Jake. You know, you bring up uh, a couple very good points there. There is a group of fish that always live shallow. One of your points, second, is, uh, you know, resident fish. So you've identified that shallow water is is where you feel most comfortable in. You can do other things. I guess the million-dollar question, which is probably why you've made three consecutive Bassmasters Classics, like Kurt had mentioned, how long do you (laughs) stay with that? What adjustments are you making to say, okay, I know these fish are here. They're perhaps not responding to this particular bait. Are you switching baits? Are you moving areas? You bring up shade line. Are you chasing shade lines? Can you walk us through what's going in on between the ears of, of Jake Whitaker and how you break that down? Most of the time, the way I look at it is, like I said, in the summertime, you've got a population of fish that look shallow, but it's not the biggest population of fish. So my thought process when I'm going into a tournament and I'm fishing shallow and it's summertime and I know I'm not going to get a bunch of bites. I am a cover water type of guy. I tend to cover as much water as I can, try to put my bait in front of as many fish or many targets as I can, whether that's, again, like I say, boat docks, you know, lay down, 
grass, whatever type of cover your lake offers, the way that I approach it is just to cover as much water as possible. A lot of times I keep it very simple with my bait selection. I'll keep a jig tied on or something to flip, a Texas rig. I'll keep some sort of a top water, whether that be a, you know, a walking style bait, a pop bar or a frog and maybe some sort of a, you know, a spinner bait or something if, if you get some wind crank up on your lake. But or swim bait. A swim bait is also a great summertime bait that kind of gets overlooked. But again, I keep my bait selection very simple and I just run with it. And for me, that just keeps me from getting locked in or trying too many different baits. I know for a fact, if I, you know, pitch a jig under a dock and there's a fish under there, nine times out of 10, he's going to, he's going to go over there and bite it. So I just have to get my bait in front of five fish in a day's time. And covering water is, is my technique when it comes to, you know, getting bites in the summertime. But Jake, let's talk about swim baiting, you know, shallow in the summertime real quick. You you mentioned that yep. as one of your techniques. You know, you get a lot of this glide bait stuff. And, and sure. you know, you've seen some tournament success on some glide baits. Obviously, you know, Polnick just a few weeks ago, one on the James River. Some of his bigger fish were primarily, you know, caught on a, on a larger swim bait. Right. What's your go-to? Are you into those, you know, six, seven inch baits or, or are you more into that, you know, three to five inch swim bait category and, and what's your opinion on I'll, that and what's Jake Whitaker's take? I'll be honest with you. I'm more into the three to five inch just because I'm looking to get more bites this time of year. But with that being said, I do always have a big bait tied on just for the fact that it, it will catch a bigger fish. It just simply will. I tend to see a lot of times that those bigger fish will follow a bait out from time to time, but at the same time, if you can get one to react and, and commit to it, that big six plus inch swim bait can give you that kicker for the day that you need. But again, I do keep my three, four inch swim bait tied on at all times. It's just something I think is more natural for the fish. You know, when they see it, it's not overbearing and they're more willing to bite it and actually and, and actually get it. So I is keep that... both of them tied on. Both of them have their place. Again, you know, that bigger bait's going to get you a bigger bite, but at times I'm looking to get more bites. So is that deal on the smaller swim bait where you're looking to get more bites and I Obviously, you mentioned you like to cover water, so you're moving pretty fast in the high percentage areas where there's cover, as you mentioned in, you know, earlier in the interview. Are you running that bait kind of high in the water column or are you slowing down, running it lower, you know, like say four, five, six feet in the water column? And how do you make those necessary adjustments? I think, you know, you kind of got to let the fish kind of tell you what they want. And I also let the day's conditions kind of tell me what that is. If you've got a good windy day where the surface of the water is being broken, I'll run that bait closer to the surface, you know, to, to make those fish come up and, and look at it and you know, a lot of times if they're coming off the bottom of decent ways and they come all the way to the top, they're going to get that bait. They don't usually come a long distance and then not get it. But then again, at the same time, if I've got a super slick day, I'll actually let that swim bait go all the way to the bottom and I'll just almost just crawl it on the bottom, kind of almost annoy them with it and see if I can get them that way. But again, I try to let the fish tell me what exactly they want. You may have to play with it a little bit, but, you know, the day's conditions, the weather and, and what's going on above the water is also key in getting those fish to tell you what they want to do. So, you know, like I say, it's all trial and error stuff, but that's just the way that I approach it. And awesome info, Jake. Guys, let's power pull down for a short pause in the action. We'll be right back with more from BASS Elite Series angler, Jake Whitaker. 
patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment. The PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by ProtectTheHarvest.com returns with BASS Elite Series Angler Jake Whitaker in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Jake, you'll be taking your game up north here in a few weeks. You know, being that you're from Carolina in that highland part of, of the state, do your roots help you catching those summer smallies? And um, man, you're, you're going to be in a race to make that fourth Bassmaster Classic. What are your thoughts headed up that way? Gosh, all anglers always look forward to going up north to catch the smallmouth. And I'll be honest with you, yes, you know, being from the Carolinas, these highland reservoirs, these deep, clear lakes, it has given me some confidence fishing deep, fishing stuff like that. But I'm going to be totally honest with you. Our smallmouth that we have here in western North Carolina are totally different from the, the smallmouth <laughs> up north. They're totally right. different. Yeah, what what are some but of those differences? Just, those differences, dude, I mean, it's just a different fish. Like our smallmouth down here, they feed on, you know, on, on shad and crawfish and stuff like they do up north, but we don't have the gobies and, and the things that make those fish up north, you know, just that much bigger. Well, Jake, I'm going to kind of throw one out here. I'm pretty sure if those smallmouth got tested for performance-enhancing drugs, they would be disqualified from any tournament because I truly <laughs> believe that that's what the gobies in that are up there. I mean, they're just, it's, it's ridiculous how, uh, you know, because like on Table Rock, I mean, I don't think even Table Rock smallmouth are even remotely close to the northern smallmouth. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's, you know, just like I said, those gobies are a huge factor in why those fish are so big up north. And, and we just don't have that here in, here in the south, even in the mountains of western North Carolina. Our smallmouth are long and they're lean. Again, we have some big ones, but they, it's just no comparison to what's up north. But, you know, like I said earlier, I do, you know, being able to fish deep and, and clear water here around home has definitely helped, uh, you know, make that learning curve of going up north uh, less of a factor. But, uh, you know, we all look forward to going up there and, and catching those smallmouth. But, it's just like it is down south. Yeah, we all mentioned that they bite up north, and they do, but you have to figure them out at the same time. So uh, I always look forward to going up there, getting a little bit out of the heat. Uh, it can still be warm, but it's not as bad, obviously, here in the south. So, uh, yeah, there's no humidity. Looking forward to, yeah, that's right. So I'm looking forward to getting up there and, and seeing, you know, if we can put a few uh, good finishes together to make that classic. But, uh, you know, smallmouth fishing is, is something that we love to do. And in fact, I try every year to get a, a bunch of my buddies together and, and my dad, and we all try to go up and make a fun trip north uh, yeah, in the I, summertime. Um, hey, I would yeah. like for you to quickly touch on, uh, you know, I know Navionics is, is one of the tools, the Navionics chips, that is, yeah. for your electronics, and, and you kind of rely on those heavily. Can you talk a little bit about how the kind of their platform you know, sets you up for better targetings, you know, the smallies up north and uh, the deep water fish? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, obviously Navionics has been a huge help for me in my career thus far. And I have caught 
so many fish just by, you know, going on a limb and looking at my Navionics map there at my ship that I have. And whether it's tournament day or practice day, I can take a look at that Navionics map and find those flats that come off the bank a little bit and then kind of got a steep shelf. I, that is my kind of go-to, uh, what I look for when I go up north. Um, those fish always are hanging out on some sort of structure, whether it's, you know, a vertical drop, uh, a grass edge or something. Smallmouth love, love, love to have, you know, something to follow along, like an edge or something like that. So I'm always looking for those steep breaks, whether it's a point or uh, like I say, a flat that maybe it's a spawning flat that they've just used and it comes out there and drops off, in, you know, a little bit deeper. So when I go up north, that's what I look for. Uh, those smallmouth, like I said, love to love to use edges for travel and stuff like that. So my Navionics, you know, chip gets used a lot when we travel up north for sure. But Jake, you know, I, I hate to bring this up, but you're out of it now. So so I want to talk yep. about it a little bit. Yep. <laughs> you know, yep. um, you man, stellar. <laughs> You know, you look at your stats, super strong, bro. Really great. Obviously, we mentioned three straight classic qualifications. That that doesn't fall off trees by any means. But this year started a little tough. You know, had a slow start. Yeah. And now you're you're on track. You're gliding right now. You're doing great. Sure. How would you advise anglers when you go through that hiccup? Did you yep. make some adjustments to relieve yourself from kind of that tough spell? Or, you know, yep. what was your mental state going through that? And then now that you're out of it, hindsight 2020 looking back, what did you see? Yeah, for sure. This year obviously started out very rough for me. I, I finished down in the 90s at Florida. You know, Florida is always, you know, kind of been a hit or miss for me. Uh, you either do really good or it's almost like man alive. I, I just totally missed it. And, and that was the case for me this year down at St. John's. Like I've done well there in the past, but I just didn't make it happen down there this year. And that's okay. That's going to happen in fishing, but I'll be honest with you. One of the reasons why I'm so low in the points this year was I made a brutal mistake at Pickwick Lake this year. I ended up, uh, you know, had a decent day one was mid kind of mid pack. And then day two had a fantastic day two, had enough weight to make the day three cut and, and to move on. But I made the brutal mistake of coming in late. I, I mm. thought I was due in with the fourth flight, came in with the fourth flight when I was actually doing with the third flight. So that oh, cost man. me my whole day's catch and probably 50 points to go with it. So yes, the, on paper, my season looks like it's going, you know, it's been, been rough and it has been. I've not done, I've not had the, you know, the top finishes like that, like I've had in years past, but I have actually caught enough fish to make five of the seven cuts this year, right. but I've only That's got four of the seven cuts to show. So. Right. <laughs> but with that being said, yes, you're going to have slumps and you're going to have slow times in your career. It's just fishing. Again, the way that I approach it is just figure out what you do best and don't worry about what everybody else is doing. If the thing that you've got most confidence in can get you a 40th place finish and you fish the way that you like to fish, then I 100% say fish that way. And you get caught up, you know, you've been to a few places, time or two uh, on the Elite Series now, and it's kind of like, oh, you get kind of caught up looking at past patterns and, and past techniques and past locations, and, you know, you kind of forget about, 
you know, the things that you do best. And I think, you know, maybe in Florida that may have happened to me. And even at Fork, you know, I kind of missed the deal at Fork. And, uh, you know, I swear I think it's just that I kind of get away from what I do best. And, you know, the way that I have kind of regrouped and had a few decent finishes here lately is just worry about Jake. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Catch as much weight as Jake can catch and see where that, you know, puts you at the end of the tournament. So, Again, I'm always preaching confidence-based and, you know, your comfort style of fishing, and that's just the way that I approach my tournament. So, again, you're going to have slow times in your career. You're going to have poor finishes, but you can't let that beat you up, and you can't, you know, worry about it. you got to move on to the next tournament and just do the best you can. So I know that kind of sounds obvious, but – but it, you know, it's tough to do when you're in that spot. It's tough. It to do is. When it is. It's so hard. <laughs> but uh, just putting, you know, your confidence bait and, and fishing the way you like to fish, you're going to do better than uh, most not. So very well said. All right, guys, let's go roll into the listener question segment of the show presented by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Aaron, Tom Ryan is throwing in some great questions. So we got Tom Ryan sent in another awesome question. This is, uh, I think, two questions out of the last four episodes. I, I think something like that. But anyway, Tom, thanks for shooting in these questions. Tom asks this. In the Lake Fork event, there were several anglers cranking and retrieving swim baits, glide baits against the wind. Jake, he wants to know in what situations do you want your bait to be retrieved against the wind or current versus bringing it with the current? Oh, gosh, that's a, that's a great question. The Lake Fork event, obviously, we had a lot of bass spawning, but we were also on the very front end of the shad and gizzard spawn there. And when you've got, you know, wind blowing onto points, blowing onto banks, a lot of times people think that the wind actually blows the bait fish up there, and that's not always the case. Those fish were already up there, and, and they still are up there even on a calm day. But whenever you've got wind, it just breaks that surface clarity up to where those fish don't get a good look at your bait. So whenever you've got you know a, a shad spawn or, or whatever it may be, that is a perfect time to be throwing against the wind or whatever it may be. Now, for bringing it with the current is more like a river system like a tennessee river or a st lawrence river where you've got a lot of current anywhere where you've got natural current those fish are always going to be pointed upstream waiting on that bait to come to them so that would be a great time to bring your bait with the current so uh, again we're going to recap kind of talk about this over again anytime that you are on a lake or a place that doesn't have as much current throw against the wind or bring your bait back against the wind. It just breaks up that surface clarity, allows those fish to not get a good look at the bait, and they'll commit to it. But when you've got a a river system or a lake that has a lot of current, that's when you'll want to fish with the current. Wow, good tip right there, Jake. Uh, Tom, you know the drill. Actually, like Kurt mentioned, we need you to uh, click on the Claim Your Prize tab on BassEdge.com. Let us know that you heard Jake answer your question on Episode 354. Indicate uh, if you want a Bass Edge uh, hat or T-shirt, and we will get that sent your direction. And... um, yeah, just keep sending those in. We appreciate it, Tom. A reminder, continue sending those Bass Edge listener questions in through our website, BassEdge.com. 
Just click on the Ask the Pros tab, fill out the quick form. You get a shot at winning another gift from Bass Edge Radio in the following months. You can also email us, support at BassEdge.com, or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter media pages. Well, Jake, thanks again for taking time to be on the show. Uh, Anxious to kind of hear your final remarks, final thoughts as we begin to kind of shut down episode 354. Yeah, man, you know, again, I appreciate you guys having me on and, uh, you know, we're here in the middle of summer, so, you know, I'm a shallow water guy. So, hey, forget about your big deep crankbaits and your big jig. <laughs> go tie a frog and a skipping jig and go fish you a boat dock and some laydowns and some uh, and shade lines. And I think you'd be surprised about what you're going to catch. So, again, thank you guys for having me on. Jake, had a great time chatting it up here on the show. Wishing you the best up north, buddy. Hope you get that fourth classic qualification. Y'all hold tight. Aaron and I will be right back after this quick message. Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it. Power how you need it. Power when you need it. Kurt, quite the uh, track record here of putting together fantastic episodes, chocked full, obviously two uh, episodes in a row for June where we had special guests. I always appreciate that. And then uh, obviously John Davis talking through the keel protection, but then Jake Whitaker, man, I I really appreciated not only his breakdown, but also willing to just kind of dive off and face, you know, the early year struggles for what it was, Um, call a spade a spade. And uh, he's he's redirected, or I should say, corrected the course. And uh, you know, I think it could be a very nice second part of the year for him. Uh, wildly impressed with his confidence to do what Jake does. Young dude, right? I mean, college national champion, qualified for the elite series, and having success. And success builds confidence, and that's what Jake's got. It's it's real apparent throughout the interview. So. He likes to fish shallow, he's going shallow, he's staying shallow, and he's going to do more and more shallow fishing. <laughs> so so he's real focused in that in that regard, and, and he's having success with it. So, you know, what, what's interesting, these last two episodes, both really young anglers, had great college careers, succeeding on the Bassmaster Elite Series, continues to provide the avenue and the direction of youth angling 
where they need to go from high school to participating in, in programs like my camp to having success in college and then having the drive and the passion to continue that success on the national level. You know, obviously, we've mentioned it before, not something that you and I had an opportunity to do. 25 years ago, these young anglers are taking advantage of that opportunity and flying high with it, man. Jake's yeah. another great example. Awesome interview. Look forward to seeing if he can knock out this fourth classic qualification in a row. It's going to be fun to watch here the next several weeks. Yeah, for sure. And uh, speaking of taking advantage of opportunities, want to encourage all Bass Edge Nation, be sure to log on to BassEdge.com. There's a lot of useful tools on their videos, articles, but uh, also Jay McNamara's book, Pure Clean Descalers that time of year, right? Cleaning the boats, keeping them clean. We're using them a lot. And certainly the latest Bass Edge Mega Wear Keel Guard branded apparel, the Richardson 112 hat. It's just not any hat, Kurt. I know you were big no. on getting that hat designed. And you were like, <laughs> well, we got to have the Richardson 112. And I'm like, well, what is that? And you're like, well, become relevant. And you would know what that is. But uh, it, it is absolutely, I've been wearing my stuff last couple events been wearing it around you know practice different things and very comfortable love the shirts bro shirts super comfy as well dude yeah, this so. is not just your everyday you know shirt and hat high quality yeah, stuff right, that's right here that's right promoting bass edge and letting people know that you love what we're doing here on the podcast that's right and speaking of uh we certainly are appreciative very appreciative of all those that tune us in certainly are a lot of choices of not only podcasts but a lot of worthwhile projects out there that uh, help support the raising of the iq and we're certainly lucky to have you alongside of with us so uh, anyway look forward to our next episode which will be july 1st episode 355 on behalf of kurt dove i am aaron martin and thanks for tuning us in and we will see you next episode in two weeks so long everybody is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Transport Graphics.